Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. I don't know what you're on, but it must be the right stuff. All right. Stand, hold your Bibles up. Come on. Y'all are slow. I mean, I, I like your initial response, but, well, anyway. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This is one of those great days the Lord has made. And the uh, Bible says rejoice and be glad in it. And, and, and tomorrow is a great day. My brother Jesse's birthday. Stand up, Pastor Jesse. Wish him a happy birthday. I love you, brother. I love you. I love you. Yeah, I tell you, I got in trouble by Kathy's first service saying, well, if Jesse died one day, I'm going the next, and we're going together because we've been doing this together a long time. See, nobody dying. <laughs> I love that about you. You stay positive, honey. Jesse and I probably outlive everybody. Mwah, back at you. Hi. Right. <laughs> so uh, life is wonderful. It's as wonderful as we make it. Uh, there are some tough days, and there are some tougher days, but we serve a tougher God. And if we can just remember that when things are going south, God's in charge of the south as well as the north, east, and west. He's got it all under control. So whatever you're going through, keep on going through. Don't stop. Don't put your brakes on if you're in hell. Keep on going. <laughs> Some people say, I'm going through hell. That's better than staying there. So just keep on moving. You know what I'm saying. Okay, don't get offended. There will be plenty of opportunity throughout this message for you to do so. <laughs> just give me time I'll get you there anyway uh, also this weekend is a 50s plus fellowship and uh, some of you you may be 30 but you'll be feeling like 50 on Friday night go ahead and show up because you what you did anyway so it's 6.30 to about 8. It's a fun time. It's going to be uh, the most unique. You can see all the couples up here. We're having a kind of a game show night. It could get a little out there. Uh, so go ahead and, and show up. That's a good-looking group of people up there, I'm going to tell you right now. It's, and, and we're going to make it a fun night. We've got marriage counseling available, available for them on the Monday following. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a, a great time. And then Saturday morning is, is men's breakfast at 9 o'clock. Uh, so men, get up and leave because your wife wants you to anyway. Let her sleep, all right? So be here at 9 o'clock. <laughs> that's right, all right. So anyway, that's this coming weekend, and you don't want to miss it. Now, we're going to talk about favor factors from the Father. Since it's Father's Day, I always Father's Day and Mother's Day are always conflicting because if you preach a Mother's Day message, fathers go to sleep. Husbands go to sleep because like, this is all for mama. Guys, I got to tell you something. Next Mother's Day, let me give you some advice. Really pay attention. Even if you're not, just make it look like it. That'll get you a long way down the road. Anyway, so and then today, being Father's Day, some of you mothers might think or women might think that, no, this is for everybody today. Because everybody wants to walk in the favor of God. If you don't, you need to rethink your life. 
The problem is most of us don't think we deserve favor. And guess what? You'd be right. That's what makes favor favor. Is that it's the kind, gracious act of God to extend to us the favor from the Father. Now, when I first got born again, you've heard me say it numerous times. I simply got born again because I didn't like fire that much. You know what I'm saying? I just didn't. And, and, and so I thought, well, I don't want to go in a place that I've read about. And, you know, the church I grew up in was great at scaring you. Some of you all grew up in those. And I think their heart was right. But, man, I'm going to tell you something. They didn't do anything for me but make me run. Because I'm thinking Christianity, getting going to heaven was like playing the lottery. You might win, you might not. And I thought, well, if I just might win, why do I want to play? I'm the kind of guy that if I do this and buy into this, I want it to be something that I can trust. And, and so when I really came to know Jesus, I realized he wasn't mad at anybody. It was the preacher. I mean, people that were mad at everybody. Any of you ever been to one of those churches you thought, boy, he's angry at somebody. He and his wife got into it last night, you know, because he preached like it. I mean, you know, it was just a mad man. And so I decided in my life that most people needed to come to church to get a little medicine. It's called laughter. And now, I'm glad you came to the right place. You know, laughter is good medicine, the Bible says. And I just don't think we do enough of it. So I do my best to kind of help you with that on Sunday mornings. Some of it's intentional. Most of it's not. It just accidentally happens. (laughs) And so, you know, and sometimes it slips out. And you still have to laugh and go, poor pastor, just pray for me when I get out on a limb, would you? Don't judge me. Just say, God, help him get closer to the trunk lest he fall. And so today I want to talk about favor because it's something growing up I I didn't understand. I understood judgment. You know, I did. I understood judgment. I, I, I could, I, I mean, matter of fact, that was the reason I hated church because I thought every time I came, I, I knew I was a mess. But I didn't want the preacher to tell everybody else I was. And I didn't want him to validate that mess. I wanted him to look and say, there's hope for even idiot. I mean, people like you. You know, I used to, it's a funny thing. I heard religious people say, you know, they, they'd say things like, well, well, bless their heart, that idiot. There were two problems with that. Number one, calling somebody an idiot. And I don't want you to just bless my heart, bless my whole life. So, you know, bless your heart sounds real cute. Then I heard things like this, people that, you know, back in the day, they, they, you know, somebody had a prayer request. Well, they didn't just tell you pray for so-and-so. They gave you the details. <laughs> and then they didn't call it gossip. They called it the prayer chain. I called it the prayer chain gang. <laughs> and so then they would say, we don't judge. We're just fruit inspectors. <laughs> just another way to say we're going to talk about you. And so, you know, there's just a lot of, in Christianity, there's just a, there seems to be a, a lot of, I think, misunderstanding about the grace of God, the favor of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, the goodness of God. I mean, God is such an awesome God. And, and there's not one thing bad about God. People say, well, you know, he's just mean. Where was he when, when something happened in my life devastating? He's in the same place he was when his son was devastatingly crucified on the cross. You say, what does that have to do with me? It has everything to do with you because look at how that story played out. 
He was raised from the dead, seated at the right hand of God. If you can scare a Christian with heaven, I'm not sure they're going there. I mean, if you told me you're going to die, I'm going to say, well, you know, I just want to charge my credit cards up before I do. <laughs> I want to take a real expensive trip to Fiji and, and wave by without paying. Anyway, so <laughs> that's the reason he didn't tell us when he was coming back because he knows we'd do something stupid like that. <laughs> and so anyway, today I want to talk about favor factors from the Father. In Psalm chapter 512, you've heard me say this. I say it all the time. This is one of those scriptures that I repetitiously quote in my life. If I'm going through something, if I'm having a struggle, there's, there are my go-to scriptures. And this is one of them. Surely, not just, Lord, you bless. But it, surely, O oh Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with favor as with a shield. And so... God doesn't say, you know, I'm gonna, if you'll go in the right direction, if you're always in the right direction, there's going to be favor. He said, no, everywhere you turn, you're surrounded by favor. Now, the challenge is that many people are unwilling to receive the favor because you measure whether or not you should get the favor by your actions instead of the action of the Father. We get favor not because we're good. We get favor because he's good. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go out and act stupid and do everything you want to do. I mean, I'm talking about being so in love with Jesus that you desire to do right. You desire to be obedient. You desire to walk uh, according to his word. And if you desire that, I wish you could live up to it or I could live up to it every day. But if, the minute I get behind the steering wheel, that becomes more difficult. I think, I think, you know, forget having people retest at 80. Have them retest at 20. You think 80-year-olds, I mean, there's some savvy 80-year-old old people that know how to drive. And I'm, I'm going to be one of those, okay? And, and, but but what, what we don't understand is that God looked down from heaven and he said, they need me. They may not want me, they may not know me, but I love them, and I want them, and I want them to know me. He didn't look and say, look, they're so good, they deserve me. No, he looked and said, they need me, they don't deserve me. And this is the beauty to me of, of a relationship with Christ, is that it's, it's not how good I am, it's how good he is. And, and I tell you, at 930 it was the weirdest Father's Day service ever. I mean, we had everything going wrong at 930. I mean, it was like the Keystone Cops showed up. Followed up by the Three Stooges. I mean, it was, it was an amazing time. And, and so I, 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 it was so, so rough. And then we have four speakers out again, praise the Lord. Somebody giving praise after spending however many thousands. And so we don't know why. And I could get bent out of shape. But guess what? I have favor. I don't know what's going to happen next week, but I have favor. Whatever happens, I'm covered. And I just pray that I don't find out the knucklehead who's responsible for it. Anyway, sometimes there are things we do not need to know. <laughs> and so anyway, you, you keep your joy, you keep your peace, and it really irritates negative people when you're happy all the time. It really does. But what's, what good is it going to do if you're not happy about something that, that's going on? Are you going to change anything? Yeah, you're going to change your blood pressure. 
And that's not healthy. So what I've tried to do, and some people think I'm irresponsible, but when something's going rough, that's when I excel at going higher and and really being almost ridiculous, saying, well, God, you must really have something special for me because everything around me needs to bow to what's above me and step on what's below me. I appreciate the gratuitous clap. Thank you. You can see I was desperate for applause in that moment. For surely, not possibly, could be, but surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with favor as with a shield. Now, when I got born again, I understood one thing. I understood the gift of salvation. But that was all I was taught. The gift of salvation. In other words, it was God's grace and mercy that offered me the opportunity to be born again. It's a gift. And the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. So God is a good God. And the problem in our world is that we do stupid things and blame God for the results of our stupidity. You know, when you, when you do something dumb, there are consequences for that dumbness. And we all know that. But instead of taking responsibility for it, we look and say, God, why? Instead of looking to God and saying, what? What now? What can I do to reverse this situation? What can I do to change the possible outcome? And it's so important because if you hang on to your mistake or somebody else's mistake, it doesn't change anything good in your life. And so if we will hang on to God and realize that not only is, do we have the gift of salvation, but we have many other gifts inside that gift. Now, I don't know. I, I feel sorry for the rest of you dads because this sack says I'm the best dad. You're leading right into my message. <laughs> this was a gift from my third child. And if any of my children are watching, only two have wished me happy fathers. They get on the stick. Now, I could just get really caught up in the idea, I'm the best dad in here. This could be where it stops, right here. Because that should be enough for any of us, that one of my kids thinks I'm the best dad. Now, we know that somebody mass-produced these, and there are a lot of other best dads in the world today. (laughs) But that's not really the important thing. We could stop right there and get so caught up in, I'm going to heaven. What a great gift. I don't have to go to hell. I sure hope some people that live near me do, but I don't have to. (laughs) Because that's how we roll as human beings, you know. We're all thrilled with our gift, but we're praying nobody else gets the one that says best dad that lives next door because we're going to have an argument. So what happens is people get born again, and when they get born again... They go, wow, what a gift. And that's where it stops. They go to church Sunday after Sunday. They don't like it. They don't like it. But, but they feel like if I don't go, the salvation gift that I've been given, God's going to like take it back. God's never going to take your salvation back. And I know that some of you wish he would take the salvation back from some of the knuckleheads you have to deal with. But he's not going to take it back. It's a gift. He gave it to you. And, and it, it, you don't have to turn it in. It's not going to, there's nothing, you, it's, it's his gift. And so what religion does says you need to be satisfied with the gift of salvation because that's all it's ever going to be. You don't have to go to hell. Jesus paid. But everything else you got issues with. And inside that salvation 
are gifts beyond gifts. The mercy, the grace, the love, the peace, the joy, the laughter. Inside that gift, there is so much more. But we never open it because we don't think we deserve what's on the inside. See, this is enough for me to believe I'm the best dad. So I, I believe that. And God says, hold on, don't, don't stop there. Inside that gift of salvation is every promise available that I made to you if you will open the gift. Now, any of you that know me know that I, I love hats. Probably, possibly because I'm going bald. I look at guys my age with a lot of hair, and I, I really want to say, Jesus, why? And then I ask him, what? And there's still no answer. I guess Rogaine? I don't know. Anybody? No, I'm not going to ask. Somebody, I did it. It didn't work. We can see that reflecting off your head. Anyway, so <laughs> don't sit where the light goes right down on your bald head. It would be a glare to me the whole time. It's a beautiful white hat that will soon be dirty, but the blood of Jesus cleanses. Anyway, so. <laughs> so, here's the deal. First, favor fact. Your age doesn't define your maturity. Your age. So, in other words, just because you're a certain age does not give you privileges that you didn't have when you were younger. Some people think just because they get older that they automatically have the, these benefits. You don't get benefits because, because of your age. God doesn't look and go, well, they lived 80 years. They made it this long. Let me do something good for them. The rules don't change for the 8-year-old or the 80-year-old. God's, God's looking down and saying, I love all of you. I have favor for all of you. And the Bible says the willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. You know, if, if we will follow him and obey him, we'll be blessed in the city and the country coming in and going out, head and not the tail above, only not beneath. Though our enemies come at us from one direction, they'll have to flee in seven. We have the promises of God that, that, that are delivered to us inside the gift of salvation that if we will do these things, it doesn't matter for 8 or 80. But if you're an 80-year-old rebel, you're even more miserable because now you don't have hair on your head and it's coming out your ears. <laughs> you even look worse. And so we don't get these blessings and favor because we've endured this thing called life. We've been through a lot. And as a result of that, we look to heaven and say, God, I'm, I'm this old. And God goes, I know, and you're very crusty. We don't get things because we've tolerated or endured life. We get them because we've obeyed the author of life, Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. God wants to bless you. But I've had people, you know, I, for years people would say, well, you know, Pastor, I give, but I don't, I don't put my name on an envelope. I don't write a check. I don't, I'm not going to say, stop. Because they think that makes God impressed that they just gave so purely and innocently. And it's funny to me that Jesus points out a woman that gave the widow, that gave the might. He's pointing out the gift. He's pointing it out, saying, look at her. 
God is not embarrassed by your giving. God, God doesn't want you to hide it. Matter of fact, we still have a government that endorses charitable giving. That's one of the gifts inside the gift. That when you give, and so don't act like I can give. I don't want anybody to know. It's not that you go around and flaunt it, but don't be embarrassed by it either. Giving releases the financial favor of God. See, I, I, I should do a whole series of what, what releases favor in these following areas. Forgiving releases the favor of God that brings forgiveness to you. Giving releases God financially to bless you. Thank you. Your grades don't define your intelligence. I, this should be a whole group going, thank God. If I was going to heaven or hell based on my grades, I'd already have my apartment in hell. <laughs> yeah, 930 didn't have scholars either. Uh, so... You know, some people measure other people's competency based on their GPA or whatever. And there are some people that didn't like school, that didn't test well. Steve Jobs didn't even graduate and cre- creates everything. Where we're, I, my iPad, thank you, Steve. We're, you're somewhere. Tell him hi. And so, what we, 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 don't, we measure things in wrong ways. We think just because we're older, we're mature. Just because you're old doesn't mean you're mature. Just because you make a good GPA doesn't mean you're smart. It just means you know how to test and do homework. So don't feel bad about yourself if you were a C student that made the other A students possible. Somebody had to lift them up. That's the way I looked at it. I'm contributing to you valedictorians. I'm going to let you have it. I'm not even going to compete with you. God bless you on that special day that you graduate, and it means absolutely nothing. I mean, man, we applauded when we graduated from high school. Now they graduate from preschool and get participation trophies. Wonder why the world's going to hell in a handbag? Don't you think we're celebrating a little prematurely? No, I was expected to get up and go to school and come home. You know what I'm saying? When I got out of first grade, he went, dear God, there's 17 more years left with that boy. You know what I'm saying? And there was no celebration. It was like, oh, Jesus. Because by the time we were seniors, everybody was happy. You know what I'm saying? Dear God, they're on their own. Don't make your own living, son. Glad you're out. Nowadays, we have bounce houses and... Everything else, I'm going, we didn't even know what that was. A bounce house for us was climbing up on the roof and jumping into a trampoline. (laughs) That was how we did a bounce house. (laughs) And oftentimes we hit the house. Your age doesn't define your maturity. Your grades don't define your intelligence. And rumors don't define who you are. Opinions don't define who you are. We have to remember these things because people will condemn you, criticize you, judge you into living a life only carrying a bag without knowing what's inside. Your opinion doesn't stop me from getting inside to my bag. This is my bag. My bag. I get to dig into my bag and get my gifts. And when I pull something great out, some of y'all haven't even, you ain't even have a bag yet. You say, yeah, but I'm married to one. Anyway, so... 
I, I didn't say I said that. I said, no, no. I Stop. You may not remember this sermon, but you'll remember laughing. I can promise you that. But that bag, that gift of salvation inside that, you're like, man, I'm just glad I got a bag. I'm just glad I got somebody telling me I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best. And not realizing what's inside there is what's more important because God said, I took care of that. You see, when you go to a a certain restaurant and they don't have parking, but there's a parking garage. and, And so rather than them building their own, they rent space from the people that own the garage. And then what happens when you park there, if you eat at their restaurant and you take your parking ticket in, they validate that. But you have to eat at their restaurant to get the validation to park there. And it didn't cost you anything. It cost them because they wanted you. You see, that's what God did when he sent Jesus. He said, I'm paying for it, and if you'll come unto me, I will punch your ticket, and you don't have to pay. I've already paid. That's favor. You didn't deserve that. I didn't deserve that. But that came inside the package called salvation because you went unto him. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest inside the gift. I'll give you blessing inside the gift of salvation. I'll give you favor. I'll give you mercy. I will give you everything you need to live an abundant life. But let me tell you, the devil ain't going to lay down and let you enjoy that life. You have to get up every day and rejoice in the Lord, for this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You say, yeah, but today ain't looking good. I don't care what today looks like. I know God looks good every day. You may have noticed we got speakers out on both sides again. After spending 10 grand, you people on the sides are only getting a little bit of Mark Crow today. Most of the decibels are going right down the center, baby. So I'm giving it my best shot. But I I could have gotten bent out of shape and I just thought, this is comical. This is absolutely, it was the most comical 930 service I've been in since we've been here. I'm telling you, it was just strange. So I'm saying, I got to keep the joy. I got to go inside the bag and find some sort of peace. There's peace in here somewhere. I got some joy in here somewhere. I got laughter in here somewhere. Now, if this were the, the, the world's worst dad, I'd be hate. Ain't nothing good going on up in here. But see, some of us are living in that place where we're defining the favor of God by how mature we think we are, by how intelligent we think we are. By the opinions that somebody told us will never amount to anything. You've just made too many bad decisions consistently. We serve a God who overcomes all your bad decisions in a sweeping moment when you turn to him and you stay true to him. He turns things around. But you have to give him the wheel and say, God, I trust you. When it looks like we're about to go off another cliff, I got to forgive them. They're the reason this happened to me. It's all their fault. And you look and say, no, 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 no. If you're blaming something on somebody else, that means they have to fix it. 
If I take it and blame it on me, that means I get to fix it, and I can fix it, and I will fix it because it's my life, and I've been bought with a price, and I belong to God, and he is my daddy. Look out. Get out the way because daddy's going to be on my corner. I read this, and let's throw this in. It says, I don't, I don't want someone who sees the good in me and accepts me. I want someone and need someone who sees the bad in me and accepts me anyway. You say, well, I, I'm so good. No, no, you're not. You may be good, but you ain't so good. See, the thing is, there's a little bit of bad in everybody. Now, I know some of your mamas didn't tell you that. You're just the greatest thing ever. You never did anything wrong growing up. Give me a break. Did you wear diapers? You did something wrong. Just saying. This is what I call undeserved validation. It's God's response to man's sin nature. In Romans 6.23 it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of God. Not the works of man, but the gift of God. Now, when you truly fall in love with Jesus, because this is where religious people get mad. What you're saying is, Pastor, I can do anything I want. Yeah, you can do anything you want. You'll pay the consequences. But the reality, when you fall in love with Jesus, you want to do what Jesus wants you to do. You're not doing it because you have to. I I, I got it. I got it. No. You understand the love of God and you go, hey, he loved me so much that he took care of all this. And now all of a sudden you want to do the will of God, but you're incapable. Like Paul said, why is it I do the things I don't want to do and don't do the things I want to do? Who will rescue me? And then he goes on to explain that Jesus will. You see, we all do things we don't want to do and then we don't do the things we ought to do or want to do. We just don't. And if you think you do, you are so misguided. I mean, I I can't be around people who think that they don't do anything wrong. Well, you know, I'm just good all the time. Jesus, go be good by yourself. Ain't nobody else believing that story. So, it's what, what happens is, it's what I call knockoff faith. Uh, what happens is the devil, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. When I, my first time in New York City, many, many years ago, decades ago, uh, which makes me sound older than I really am. I probably should rephrase that. Anyway, so I, I went, and I, when I was there, I, you know, I was enamored you know, by the lights and all that my first time there. And, and I wanted to find out everything. I'd heard that you could go places and get, like, designer things like Louis Vuitton and Dude, I grew up in Berry Hill. Gucci, Gachi, those were all pretty much the same to me. I mean, I, I didn't know what those were, you know. I mean, so I go, and they say, well, you can get Louis Vuitton. You can get all these neat things. And, but, but, but they were knockoffs, and they looked, they looked just like the real deal unless you ever owned the real deal. Then you have to worry about people who know the real deal because <laughs> you're walking down the street with your fake Louis and the strap breaks. And yeah, well, you know, because they know a real Louis, that strap ain't breaking. You know what I'm saying? So you're all excited about the knockoff now. You you ain't got the real deal, but you got the fake deal. 
and you're all excited about the fake deal. See, that's what the devil does is he wants you to be a knockoff Christian that you ain't the real deal because you're acting all good, you're doing all the right things, saying all the right things without having the power inside you. That's knockoff faith. That's like people serving on the board of demons. I mean the board of deacons somewhere. And I'm on the board of this, I'm on the board of that, and I give this and I do that without realizing if you don't have the bag, you ain't got the gift. You'd be walking around without what you need to get the job done. So what we have to realize is this is not going to work without him. Now, I, I, I don't know how many of you ever watched Andy Griffith growing up. One of the best shows. I want to live in Mayberry. I still wish there was a Mayberry. I'd like to be Mayberry's pastor. Because it was such a cool time. And, and I mean, Andy always diplomatically handled things. He was a country bumpkin. And, but, but he seemed to always have this, this wisdom and this sense. So I read, I read this thing. Can, can we put that on the screen? Now look at it. Look at Barney, my favorite. <laughs> Barney's looking. I only got one bullet. Anyway, so. <laughs> and for some of y'all, that's all you need is one bullet. <laughs> yeah. And then there's Ope. Here's what happens. So a hobo told Andy he should just, you can leave that up there, just let Opie decide for himself how he wanted to live. Andy had these words of wisdom. No, I'm afraid I don't work that way. Uh, you can't let a youngin decide for himself. He'll grab at the first flashy thing with shiny ribbons on it. Then when he finds out there's a hook in it, it's too late. Wrong ideas come packaged with so much glitter that it's hard to convince them that other things might be better in the long run. All a parent can do is say, wait and trust me and keep temptation away. Somehow we've lost this basic truth. Too many people are more worried about being their child's friend than being a parent. When a hobo told Andy he should just let Opie decide for himself he wanted the way he wanted to live, Andy had those words of wisdom for him. Please understand, when I was a kid, and I know this sounds like, you know, the, the story of the parents that I walked five miles in the snow to get to school, and the kid goes, but you lived in Florida. <laughs> so, so that, you need to fact check that. But when I was a kid, if I got paddled at school, the principal called the parent, and I got another one when I got home. So I got two for the price of one cent. <laughs> Nowadays, if you threaten to spank a kid, you're going to be locked up from five to ten. Now, I know that this is old school, and this may not fly in the face of all the wisdom that we have going on amongst the 15-year-olds. But if you spare the rod, the Bible says you hate the child. My parents loved me so much. <laughs> Favor doesn't happen when we do life our way. We don't pursue favor. Favor pursues us. It catches us as we pursue God. People say, I have faith. I have great faith. I say, what do you have faith in? 
Because a lot of people have faith in faith. They don't have faith in God. And so a lot of people say, I, w- I want favor. I'm going after favor. I say, you're going after the wrong thing. You go after God who possesses the favor. If a goose lays the golden egg, don't worship the egg. Hug the goose. See, we go after the wrong things. You, you don't go after the result. You go after the one who produces the result. So when I talk about favor, I'm talking about keeping that focus on God and he will validate your life and take care of your situation. So before we pray, we must assume one of two positions or often we do. Please don't miss this. When we pray, we are praying from one of these two. Number one, I pray because I am validated. So now when I pray to God, I don't pray so that God will show up. I pray because God has already shown up. I've already been validated. I'm not asking God to do something I don't have the right and authority to do because I'm in covenant relationship with him. He said, you can ask me whatever you want in my name. I'll do it that the Father would be glorified in the Son. So when I come to God, I don't come as a beggar. I come as a child. I don't come as somebody coming in from the outside because I moved inside. I am now in the home, in the residence, in the favor of God. People say, well, you're just, and religious people will call you arrogant. I will just call me aware. I'm aware of who I am in Christ. I'm aware of who Christ is in me. I'm aware that I no longer have to beg and ask an outside daddy. He's my inside daddy, and I'm his inside kid, and I live in the same place. When I go into the pantry, I don't ask him if I can have what's in the pantry. I just grab what's on the shelf. That's new to some of y'all. I just need to ask him. Which one of your kids asked you if they could eat the candy you brought for yourself? I got smart about my third kid. I started hiding it in my nightstand and locking it. If daddy wanted you to have it, it'd be in the big pantry. Well, God doesn't have a nightstand because he doesn't sleep or slumber, so everything's in the big pantry. So you can just walk in, open the fridge, get whatever you want. I'd love it. I won't. (laughs) Can't. Don't talk me into sin. What kind of people are you? Go ahead and say it and go to hell. No, anyway, I was a kid. Sorry, but that's, anyway. Second thing, I pray to become validated. Now, this is twofold, two-pronged. I pray to become validated. If you haven't been saved, then you are praying from the platform of Jesus, forgive me, help me. But then you could also say, I'm praying to become validated every time you pray. When, When I was a kid, I would pray about the same thing over and over and over and over again. Now, once you've prayed for something and you've asked for it and you really believe God, begin to thank him ahead of time that it's coming your way. It's not like, it'd be like can you imagine God up in heaven on the throne? <sighs> I think God kind of sits like this. 
Because, see, you kind of see God like this, don't you? I see God going, yeah, here they are. <laughs> Jesus is over here. He looks and goes, son, uh, my deepest apologies. You gave your life for that? Yeah. <sighs> when God has heard that request, he doesn't forget. Doesn't need to be asked over and over. That's how come I go, God, I thank you. I've been thanking God for 10 years for some things I haven't gotten yet. And I'll thank him another 10. And you'll think I'm crazy. If you're religious, why why are you thinking of you still 10 years? You still believe it for that? Yeah, I am. Bible says the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. I see a lot of wicked people with money. (laughs) Now I'm looking for the righteous people ready to get it. (laughs) It's out there, baby. God promised that. It's a promise of God. And yet we give up on it and we leave it. It's like, how many of you ever heard the government has all this, these possessions that were unclaimed by deceased family members and, and they don't even know what to do with them because nobody's come to claim them. I believe, spiritually speaking, we have rooms and vaults full of things that are gone unclaimed by believers that God said, if you would just come to me and claim the promises I have for you, I would release them to you. There's so many things. Let's just start with internal peace and joy. And then he said, I'll meet every need you have according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus, not my poverty in somewhere else. Inside that bag is provision. Inside that bag is vision. Inside that bag is peace. Inside that bag is mercy, encompassed by the salvation of God and the eternal connection that we have with him forever and ever and ever. So, praying for validation once we are already saved means that we think that we have to earn the favor of God. And you don't have to. You see, when we, if we lose our sense of validation, we question our candidacy for the favor of God. When you question your relationship with him. You become like a double-minded man. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So when you waver on something that you have believed for, you become unstable in your commitment to believe further that that's going to happen. Things don't happen overnight. They just don't happen overnight. And, And we have to realize that things take time. And I'm a firm believer that there are things God has prepared for me that I'm not currently prepared for. I hate to admit that. But he is preparing us for what he has prepared for us so that when we get what he has prepared, we don't lose our minds. It's like people who are broke, busted, and disgusted winning the lottery. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to do with $10, much less $10 million. They lose their minds. Many of them end up killing themselves. Many of them die because they, they weren't prepared for what they now possess. And God cares more about your life than he does your possessions. So if we can't righteously possess something that's going to destroy us, it'd be bad of the Father to give it to us because it's going to ruin us. 
You'll want to be here next week. Because I only got through just about one point. As is normally the case for me because I didn't plan this part of the sermon today until my son who plays the piano gave it to me and I thought, there's a prop. (laughs) So if any of you want to bring me something next week, I'm good. You may end up on the bishop table. Well, it's one of those days we should probably pray. Let's do that. God, you are so awesome and so wonderful, so incredible. There are just not enough words in the English language or any language for that matter to express your awesomeness. First off, God, you, you deal with people like us. You, you deal with our humanity, our, our sin, our doubt, all the things that, that attack us every day. You're there with us, cheering us on, empowering us. So, Lord, today we surrender to you so that the things that are coming against us will not come into us, but that our hearts would remain filled with your spirit in order to carry out your spirit's desire. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'd like to ask those of you in here and online Pray this prayer with me, everyone, not just those of you that have yet to accept Christ, but those of you that know you need to accept Christ. I want all of us to pray this prayer together. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I declare today I am born again. Because it's a gift from you. Not my good works, but your good work. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to ask you to do this. And it's very important for you. Text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. This is a start, a beginning for you to be able to say, I've given my life to Jesus. And on this day, that text will remain. I have texts on my phone that I keep and I go back and read them. To remind me of the good things that have come my way. People that have said kind words. I get a text from my son today in uh, L.A. And uh, he's, he's my miracle kid. And uh, he says this. And this is, so I love you, Dad. Happy Father's Day. Uh, we both get to celebrate because it's his birthday and it's Father's Day. And I'm so lucky I've had uh, you as my dad. What an incredible life I've been able to have because how you took care of me and my siblings. Love you. Hope you have an incredible Father's Day. Now, that message will live forever. And if he ever gets mad at me, I'll screenshot it and send it back to him. (laughs) There are two motivations. But anyway, text the word SAVED, 405-513-10. We'd love to hear from you. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.